the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Does the law of God have a place in our lives as Christians? Join us for the answer next on this edition of Abounding Grace. So what role does the law of God have in our lives as Christians? Uh, That's the question we're seeking to answer here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. The law of God does enhance and beautify the Christian life. For the details, we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, here in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, for this edition of Abounding Grace. Last week, I finished my sermon with a quote from Dr. Rush Dooney that basically said, If God's law is obeyed, man is blessed. But God curses and blights every disobedient person and people or culture. Then I ended by saying, If your life is sour and bitter and empty, full of guilt and frustration, and you seem to be spinning your wheels, getting nowhere, with no idea about your future... It is not because God has failed you. It is because you have failed Him. Refusing to live in terms of His law word that has as its purpose not to cramp and restrict or squelch life, but to enhance and beautify and protect. Now, with all of that in mind, How could the Lord Jesus Christ speak so approvingly of David flat out disobeying a ceremonial law by eating the showbread that the law said was only to be eaten by the priest, as we saw last week in 1 Samuel 21? Well, that is going to be our topic for the first part of my sermon today. Because, beloved, I believe it is very important for us to understand in light of the fact that we at RHC take the law of God so seriously. Now, if Jesus' point in alluding to this obscure law in 1 Samuel 21 is to impress us, as I said last week, with the importance of every jot and tittle of the law of God, How could he speak so approvingly of David flat out disobeying a ceremonial law that said only the priests could eat the showbread? What is his point? Now, this is not rabbinical tradition. This, the issue is, what is the relationship between the ceremonial laws of God, only the priests can eat this bread, and the moral law of God, Keep the Sabbath, live for God, do not murder, etc., etc. What is the point being made? Why 
wasn't David breaking the law of God? Why wasn't he chastised by God? Well, he actually did break a ceremonial law. But the Bible teaches us in this passage and in other places of Scripture that the ceremonial provisions must not stand in the way of providing for the essential needs of life. Let me say that again and listen carefully. These ceremonial rituals must not stand in the way of providing for the essential needs of life. Let me quote to you a great Scottish Presbyterian of a couple of hundred years ago, William Jay. He said, The ceremonies of religion are to give place to the substance of religion. The positive institutions are to yield to moral obligations that the Lord requires mercy, not sacrifice. In fact, it's interesting that when Matthew refers to this account, he actually quotes an Old Testament phrase that says, God requires mercy, not sacrifice. Now, what's the point? The ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were important. God gave the ceremonial laws to Israel to teach them what to expect from Jesus Christ while he walked on earth. And there were a lot of ceremonial laws, like the laws concerning sacrifices. And they were to be obeyed, unless... Obedience to those ceremonial rituals would in some way or another detract from or obstruct life. Now, what did I say last week is the purpose of the law of God? It is to enhance life. It is to promote life. It is to beautify life and to guard life. Therefore, when any of the ceremonial laws were applied in such a way that life would be degraded or would keep us from fulfilling the basic needs of life for ourselves or keep us from showing compassion and charity to other people, the ceremonial laws had to give way. Now, there's nothing particularly radical about this, beloved except to the Pharisees, because the essence of the commandments of God are to love God and to love our neighbor. Now think about this, keeping this all in mind. The Bible says concerning the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, that only Christians who make a profession of faith in baptism before the congregation, who are members in good standing and a Bible-believing evangelical church, can drink this wine and take this bread. Well, what if someone were to come in that back door of this church who is extremely hungry and thirsty, from no fault of their own, not because of any sin in their life. And we have nothing to give them except the elements of the Lord's Supper. Would it be wrong for us 
to forego our Lord's table and give him the bread and the wine that had been set aside for such a holy use. Keep that in mind. Also in the Bible, it is forbidden for a woman to speak in church. Well, what if someone in the church was having a heart attack right in the middle of worship and no one noticed it except one woman and she got up in the middle of the worship and shouted for help? Would she be sinning? Of course not. And David was not sinning when in order to satisfy the basic essentials of life so he could serve God, he ate the bread that the ceremonial law said had that that the ceremonial laws had prevented anyone else to eat except the priest. And the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples were not breaking the law of God when they plucked a few handful of wheat and crushed the kernels and ate them on the Sabbath. Ceremonial laws are important. But we must always interpret the law of God in light of its original intent. And the laws of God are to enhance life. Now think about the Sabbath commandment. What is the purpose of the Sabbath? Is the purpose of the Sabbath commandment to restrict and squelch life? To make life unbearable by calling us to restrain from doing all our normal weekly activities on that day? Some people think so. No. The purpose of the Sabbath, now listen, is to protect, guard, promote, and enhance the life of God's people by being a day of rest and worship and joy and physical and spiritual refreshment. And when you interpret the Sabbath commandments in that light, then those great commandments are in no way infringed on or broken by plucking a few handfuls of grain to satisfy honest hunger that comes from living a life of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples and Jesus were not breaking the law of God. Now this is something that we as theonomists must understand clearly. Because, beloved, I have been in situations where I have heard people and watched people try to enforce the law of God, especially the details of the law, in such a way without wisdom that their lives suffered as a result of their strenuous, unwise applications of the details of the law of God to their lives. I personally know of a family who was on the verge of bankruptcy, and his children were emaciated because they had not been fed properly, because the father was inflexibly committed to paying off his mortgage payment in six years, regardless of the physical health of his children. You see, according to biblical law, we are to live debt-free. But if we need relief, we can receive a loan for six years, but then it must be paid off on the Sabbath year or the seventh year. And that should be our goal. But in the case of this family, 
The father totally denied the very purpose of the law of God by not caring for those under his responsibility. Greg Bonson once said, We've got to understand that ethics, morality, living as Christians in this world, that we need more than biblical law. Do you know what it is he said we need? He said you've got to have wisdom. In order to make it in this world, you not only need faithfulness to God's law, you need wisdom in knowing how to apply it, and wisdom starts with a fear of God. Do you know one of the basic weaknesses of the Pharisees? They divorced obedience and biblical law from God. And among many conservative Christians today, we have the same problem. We, we say that we need a good ethical code to live by. So we want the Ten Commandments displayed and discussed in public schools because our children need a code to live by. We say we need a prayer amendment to the Constitution because we must have some kind of moral code to live by. Well, I don't know about you, but I have not heard any conservative politician give any biblical argument as to why we need the Ten Commandments in the classrooms and why prayer is so important, which is so we can enjoy communion with God and manifest God's character in our own character and in our culture. You see, the problem with conservatism today is that it is pharisaical. Conservative humanists say, let's have a moral code so that the country will prosper. But they don't want the moral code of God. The Pharisees said, let's enjoy the tots, jots and tittles of tradition so that we can make points with God and our life will be happy. And the problem is that they were dis divorcing obedience to the law of God from God. And we're making the same mistake. Beloved, we must obey the law of God because we love God and His law word. If we divorce God from His law, He will not bless us because we become a law unto ourselves. And our legal code becomes whatever those in power decide it will be which is what is happening in America today. And it is happening because Christians have become nothing but conservative humanists, setting aside the law of God for a bowl of pottage and a seat at the political table. Let's obey the law of God and work to establish it as America's legal code because God has been so gracious to us. And giving us his Savior to save us from our sins. And for giving us a law to show us how to live spirit-filled obedience to it. What a wonderful thing the law of God is. And what a pleasure it should be for Christians to obey that law. Which was fulfilled by our love for him. And you know, you and I must never try to apply the first table of the law of God so as to keep from obeying the second table of the law. Now think about that. 
you and I must never so press upon ourselves the first four or five commandments in such a way that it makes it wrong or impossible to obey the rest of the commandments. Let me put it another way. You must never interpret the law of God in such a way that it is wrong for you to be good and hospitable to someone else. You should never interpret the law of God in such a way that it squelches your desire to show compassion. You should never interpret and apply the law of God in such a way that it makes it impossible for you to love your neighbor as yourself. That is pharisaical. The moral law of God is to be obeyed, and it is to be taken seriously. We are called upon to be faithful to it, but we must understand what the purpose of the law of God is. It is to enhance and protect life, the life which the gospel of Jesus Christ has given to us. And when you seek to understand God's law, even the jots and tittles as we've tried to do the last two weeks now, which most Christians don't even know are in the Bible or care that they are there, your life will be blessed. We must take every stroke and every letter of the law of God seriously. We must be theonomist. The only alternative is to be autonomous, a law unto yourself. Believe the biblical law today as we should always. The jots and the tittles of it. And be faithful to every word in it. But be faithful with wisdom. Understand. That obedience to the law of God is rooted in love for God and love for each other. Whenever we have law and obedience to law without love, it becomes an ugly, dirty thing. In fact, it was obedience to the law of God without love that eventually crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough to say, I'm going to do it all right. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to live relentlessly according to the laws of God. It is not enough to say that unless it is rooted in love. Love is an element of the law of God. Love is the summary of the law of God as we read this morning. And we must never, ever so interpret the law of God so that it becomes an ugly thing. That it detracts from life. And it ruins life. It squelches life. Or that it makes you feel guilty that you love your neighbor too much or God too much. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were trying to separate law from God. Law from love. Trying to interpret the law of God by the word of man. They totally disregarded the finality of God's word. And they totally forgot that the greatest law of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And your neighbor as yourself. We must faithfully obey God's law. But we must wisely learn how to apply it to our lives. So I call on you, beloved, to be, to be faithful. But I call on you to be what Jesus pleads us to be. 
which the Pharisees were so far from, I plead with you to be wise. Now, after last week's sermon and the information that I've just given you so far today, I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. So take out a piece of paper. I want you to write your name up in the left-hand corner. And when you leave, I want you to give it to Bob as he leaves from here. And your eternal security depends on how you answer these questions, beloved. Just kidding. I want you to listen carefully, though. I want you to answer these in your own mind, and then we'll see afterwards how well you do. I have four questions, and they are all true or false. Number one, Jesus never broke the smallest detail of the Old Testament law. True or false? Number two, sometimes it is permissible to break one of the Ten Commandments for us to obey another of the Ten Commandments. Number three, if the choice had to be made in the Old Testament between obeying a ceremonial ritual and the moral law, the moral law takes precedent. Question four. The law of God must be applied as strictly and narrowly as possible, regardless of our life, health, welfare, and responsibility to others. True or false? All right. Let's see how you did. The first one was true, the second one was false, the third one was true, and the fourth one was false. How many got them all right? Very good, sharp group here. Well, let's go back and look at these very quickly. First question, Jesus never broke the smallest detail of the Old Testament law. That is absolutely true. What would have happened if Jesus had disobeyed any law from the Old Testament? He could not have been our Messiah. He could not have been our Redeemer. He came to perform all righteousness, and He did. In order to be the Messiah, He had to obey every jot and tittle of the Old Testament law, which we have broken and disregarded. So Jesus never disobeyed or broke or disregarded any detail of the Old Testament laws. You say, well, what about our text? It tells us that he and his disciples were walking along on the Sabbath, and that they plucked some grains, rubbed it between their hands, and ate it, which the Pharisees said was prohibited by the law of God. Well, if it was truly harvesting food, yes, that's true. But as we saw last week, this is not considered harvesting. This was allowed. Well, having seen that, that that was just an interpretation of the Pharisees, that what they did was not prohibited by the law of God. So the question here is true. And if you want more detail on that, get last week's sermons. We discussed that to ad nauseum last week. Second question. Sometimes it is permissible to break one of the Ten Commandments so as to obey another of the Ten Commandments. That is absolutely false. I just told you that a few minutes ago. The Ten Commandments are never, never, ever to be broken. There will never be a situation in your life ever that it will be okay to break any of the Ten Commandments. 
The moral law of God may never be set over against itself. It is not contradictive of itself. There are no loopholes and no arbitrariness. We must never, under any circumstances, break any of the Ten Commandments. And God will never put you in a situation where you will have to break one in order to keep another. And not only that, you will never be put in a situation ever in your life when you will have to make a moral decision between the lesser of two evils, when you say, I have a moral decision I must make, and there is no right answer. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.